This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 32 Strong winds rustled in tall grass as it ebbed and flowed, a vast ocean in sun glow. Far off into the fields a dark figure appeared, a man with a deliberate swagger. He exuded confidence even from this great distance. Eddie watched this scene from the junction where the plantation road spilled onto the highway. As the figure moved closer, other details emerged. A black top hat, a crisp suit so out of place here in the open countryside. The man carried an ivory-handled cane. He didn't walk so much as glide over the tall grass blowing in the wind, not unlike Jesus floating on the Sea of Galilee. As the man approached, Eddie began to lose his nerve. Why had he summoned him? He stood petrified at this corner, unable to run. But now, it was too late. The stranger was closing in. In an instant, they were face to face. Eddie fell into the shadow of the man looking down upon him. The dark silhouette spoke up with a deep baritone. What is it you wish for? I wish for my dreams to come true. How much you want it? More than anything. Eddie heard himself say. Are you truly prepared to pay the cost? An evening fog rolled over the fields and with it, the man disappeared into thin air. Eddie woke up in his bed at home, still wondering if the phantom agreement had been a dream or something from beyond. The hat, the cane, the skeletal face. Was it truly a dream or had he made a supernatural deal? Fear and regret washed over him. What exactly had he agreed to? Throughout his day, Eddie was haunted by the dream of the man at the crossroads. After supper, he found Juliet in the backyard finishing up her work. Thanks for dinner, Juliet. My compliments to the chef. Chef? She laughed as she poured out a bucket of dirty water. Eddie kicked at the ground, unsure of how to proceed. So, I had the most curious dream last night, only it didn't seem like a dream at all. I wanted your take on it. Do you have the time to talk? (laughs) Time's all I got, Eddie. Eddie sat down on a tree stump as she continued her work. Well, it was the most vivid dream I may have ever had. I was standing at a crossroads in the countryside. There was a man in a tuxedo. He wore a top hat, except I'm not sure he was a man at all. (sighs) Oh, Eddie. Juliet knew exactly who the character was. Ain't we done with all that hullabaloo since we go traipsing through the cemetery? Come on, Jules, help me. This dream has got to mean something. I know that the man at the crossroads was the Haitian Grim Reaper, Baron Sam D. Baron Sam D is not the Grim Reaper. Well, he's a messenger to the underworld, right? Yes. So, is he good? Yes. Or is he bad? Yes. Which is it, good or bad? (laughs) Yes. Come on, Jules. All right, all right. Baron Sam D is both and neither. He's life, he's death, he's a link between worlds. That's all. I met him at the crossroads in my dream. I made a deal. What do you think that means? Exactly what kind of deal did you make? Eddie kicked at the ground. I'd rather not say. The crossroads means a change is afoot. That's all. It just means you don't know which way to go. (laughs) Ain't that the truth, he laughed. So, um, do you think I made a deal with the devil? (sighs) Juliet sighed and changed the subject. 
Speaking of crossings, you come across my papers yet? I'm still looking, he lied. Eddie was a terrible liar. Juliet didn't want to talk about Eddie's nightmares anymore, mostly because lately she had been having her own. There was the reoccurring nightmare of the Atlantic crossing and the worry of what she would find once she got to Monrovia. But there was also the recent cholera outbreak that killed hundreds of recent transplants in Freeport. And what would happen to the Allens without her? Miss Fanny was taking a turn for the worse, and no one seemed to notice. Mr. Allen poured himself into his work, and in so doing had become stoic and removed. As for Eddie, bless his heart, he would be a total mess without her, and Juliet knew it. She was the glue that held the family together. And yet, she knew it was time to stop thinking about everyone else and finally do something for herself. Well, I appreciate you looking for my papers. They're not going to let me on that ship without them. She continued her work. Have you given any more thought to going with me to Boston? It would be hot up north, too, Eddie. You know that. Well, what about the Caribbean or France or England or some other place where there's no slavery? Somewhere where it's conceivable that I can come visit or you can come back. Juliet realized that Edgar also knew that she was the glue that held the family together. <laughs> can we go back to Baron Sam D? She snapped. Sure. Twas a joke, Eddie. Juliet sat down on the edge of the well. All right, you want to talk? Let's talk. Newspapers say the United States government is helping to colonize the west coast of Africa. Folks are getting a legitimate ticket, Eddie. Y'all got your Mayflower you're so proud of? Well, maybe this is mine. My ancestors didn't have a choice, but I just might. President Monroe himself is helping to pay the cost. It's a clean slate, history in the making. And I am going to be a part of it. No, sir. You ain't the only one with the dream, Eddie. My circumstance is different. That's all. But things are changing, Juliet. You'll see. If that happens, it ain't going to happen for a long while yet. You love your horror stories, Eddie. Well, here's one for you. Once upon a time, there was a man named Gabriel. Came from a plantation not too far from here. He was a skilled blacksmith and a learned man, too. He saw the injustice in slavery and decided to do something about it. Planted a revolt is what he did. Only some slave owners got wind of his plan before it could happen. They hung Mr. Gabriel and his whole group of followers up there on Gallows Hill. You and I probably walked right past his grave the other night. Twarn't that long ago either, just before you and I were born. Sadly, Mr. Gabriel isn't the only one with this story. Same thing happened down Charleston just last year. Except in that case, Mr. Denmark Vesey, he was already a free man. Church-going man, too. Well, when the authorities found out about his plan, they hung him and all of his Christian congregants. All folks say there's change coming. They pray on it, but it never comes. Now they got that Missouri Compromise, the one where even new states like Missouri are going to have slavery from the get-go? Please, Eddie. If change is ever going to come, as God is my judge, I am not going to be here to see it.
Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.